0: This is the Personal Profitability Podcast with Eric Rosenberg. Hey there, profiteers. Welcome back for episode number 109 of the Personal Profitability Podcast. As always, I am your host, Eric Rosenberg, but things are going to be changing a little bit on the show starting today. It was actually about a year ago this week that I updated the podcast to a new format, And it has been really fun. And I'm going to stick with this schedule that we've had for the last year. That is a new episode once a week. That's about 25-ish minutes long. Uh, But we're going to change things up a little bit. So we've every week mostly had an interview with a different guest who is a personal finance or entrepreneurship expert. And it's been a lot of fun. We've learned a ton. We'll we'll have a few more um, guests sprinkled in in the future like that. But the primary focus for the next little while at least is going to be having one guest for about four episodes in a row so we'll have one guest each month and that guest will be someone who I have a little bit better relationship with somebody who I who I know who's not um just a, just a random person I'm interviewing but every single one of these people will have some type of finance or entrepreneurship expertise to bring to the table to talk about a different topic each week. And we're kicking it off with a back to basics kind of topic which I'm excited about as a as a new way to refresh the show and I'm also very excited to welcome an amazing guest for these first four episodes in the new format and that guest is Whitney Hansen. Whitney is awesome. She's been a guest on the show before. We'll have a link to that in the show notes and I have also been a guest on her show, The Money Nerds, which we can link to in the show notes. And we've had our own podcast together that started at the very beginning of this year it's called Oh No We Didn't and we're about to relaunch it in a in an exciting new way at the beginning of July next week but for today she is here all about personal profitability on this show so please uh, welcome join me in welcoming Whitney to the show it's very fun having her this is going to be a really great chat i am very excited um, if you want to connect with her check her out while we're talking her website or her podcast is called the money nerds i highly recommend you subscribe to that one and apple podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts and we will dive into this interview or this not interview i guess now we will dive right into this awesome discussion on an amazing personal finance topic right now on the personal profitability podcast (laughs) All right, profiteers. I am here with our first co-host on the brand new format. How's it going, Whitney?
1: Eric, it's going so well. I am honored to be the first co-host. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thanks for being here. So I always ask normally on the interviews, as you remember from when you were a guest, I always ask people if they want to get profitable to start out the interview. I don't know if I should do that for this. What do you think? Should I keep I, it I going? Think
1: always, yes. Always.
0: We want to keep it profitable. Sorry. Let's let's <laughs> start over right now. Listeners, pretend you haven't heard anything we just said. All right, we're <laughs> gonna dive in. All right, Whitney Hansen, my new first co-host of my new format. Are you ready to get profitable?
1: I am so ready to get profitable and make some money. Let's do this.
0: Boo yeah, I love it. Cool. So uh <laughs> so here we go, profiteers. The new the new format, the uh, we're gonna do it more bloggy style. Um, so, you know, we'll we'll talk through a topic and try to dissect that topic rather than have it be kind of the, the mishmash conversation we've been doing. So, today we want to talk about five core skills to conquer your money. Now, Whitney, do you feel like you've conquered your money? Do you think that's a good word for, for how we interact with our money?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd say it's something to work towards, but I don't know if you can ever officially conquer all things money. But I think I have a pretty good grasp on most of this stuff.
0: You're like the Genghis Khan of money. You're a conqueror. <laughs> Is that a
1: good or a bad thing? I don't know.
0: Oh, I think it's a good thing. It's most, I mean, he, he was like you know, a, a coast-to-coast Asia-to-Europe conqueror at one point. It was pretty, am- pretty amazing. So if we can be the Genghis Khans of money, I think that's a good thing.
1: I mean, I, I definitely agree. I think that's always something to work towards. <laughs> All
0: right. So first thing we want to do in conquering our money, number one, managing a budgeting system that works for you. Mm -hmm. So something I think that's really important is budgeting, but budgets, you know, there's so many different ways to do a budget these days. You know, there's that like line item budgeting, um, things you can use like Mint to do or even do in a spreadsheet, or there's Mm -hmm. like that high level budgeting, like the 50, 30, 20 budget, um, where you just kind of put a big percentage of your money to different things and don't track it as detailed. Uh, Mm -hmm. What are you a big fan of in your own budgeting, Whitney?
1: I'm a big fan of the zero-based budgeting with a caveat. So zero-based budgeting, meaning every single dollar has a purpose or a job. And so you don't have any stragglers or no dollars left behind in your account. So I like that concept. But the caveat is I like to have $500 sitting in my checking account so that my checking account is never all the way to zero. But I do budget every single penny of my income. So that's the strategy that I personally like.
0: That's awesome. Do you use YNAB?
1: No, I don't. I'm a good old Google Sheets person.
0: Google Sheets to the dollar budgeting. You are a money nerd. (laughs) No, it's
1: pretty bad. Your
0: your (laughs) podcast has an appropriate name. <laughs> Thank you. I think so too.
1: How do you budget? What are you doing?
0: Uh so I'm I I used I'll, I'll go over my like history of budgeting. So I've tried a few different things over the years. So when I started budgeting when in the beginning when I had my brand new job, I was working in a bank. I mean then took on my student loans and I was paying off a car loan and student loans, which, you know, debt-free a long time now. But when I was doing all of that regularly and living on a tighter budget, I was a um category you know to the dollar ish budgeter so i'd use i used mint um, back then that was kind of the the premier budgeting app for free uh, it was probably even before smartphone apps i it was just on the computer back then on yeah. the uh, on the web but so that's what i did and i budgeted you know, like um housing costs gas food i broke out groceries versus restaurants i actually created a category for alcohol and bars because i mean it was my 20s you know how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I do. I do know how that goes.
0: Not for long.
1: Not for oh gosh, it's true.
0: Burn. It's
1: true. That is a burn. I need some ice on that one.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that that was what I did for a long time, and it worked really well for me. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of it if, if that's what works for people. Um over time, as my you know, needs and spending have shifted a bit, I've realized I can't be as predictable on those monthly patterns. Mm. And as a uh, self employed guy, now my income is lumpy. So some months I make, you know, $14,000, some months I make 10 uh, I'm, I'm not really sure what I'm going to make. Although, obviously, you should be budgeting based for spending, not based on your income. So, obviously, I should True. budget less no matter what I make. <laughs> but I also yeah. have some really lumpy expenses and some big recurring expenses like health insurance. That's like $1,400 a month. That's a big one. Um, mm-hmm. But for housing, we don't use escrow for our insurance or our taxes. And taxes oh, are don't. big here in California. So um I don't like put away the whatever thirteen hundred dollars a month like I probably should. <laughs> Instead, yeah. I just I just essentially save everything I can and, and try to keep spending as low as possible and keep mm-hmm. a focused effort on it. But I do pay attention to my money probably too obsessively. <laughs> can we have
1: like confession hour? Okay. So, I, I usually don't share this too often because I, I want people to budget. I think it's super important. But today, I actually don't budget quite as much as I used to. So, when I was paying off debt, similar to you, it was very focused and I was constantly looking at the numbers.
0: But what I've noticed back in those days,
1: yeah, probably. for real. So, what I've noticed now, though, that's kind of interesting is that I am very predictable with my spending. So, I'm pretty boring. And it doesn't change very much. So I know if I budget a certain amount, I will always spend that amount. And so I don't actually have to budget quite as much as I used to. I still look at it, but it's not as strict.
0: That's pretty cool. Do you come in under budget regularly?
1: Um, it depends on the category. So if I'm not under budget on one specific category, so like, let's say I have a crazy month where I eat out a little bit more. Usually I find my grocery budget compensates for that. So I will move money around. So I'm not opposed to shifting dollars around, but you have to stick to that entire bottom dollar so that I do stick with my overall budget, but I do shift the category sometimes.
0: Very cool. And, And the most important part, like we, we, we do things a little differently and that's okay because we do it. That's the most mm-hmm. important thing for everybody to, to remember about budgeting. There's no right or wrong. The right is what you will actually use. So if you love using apps, do it. If you love spreadsheets, do it. If you love paper and pens and paper bank statements, the, the trees might hate you, but do it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> totally. No, I agree. The best system is the one that you actually stick with.
0: Totally. Yeah. So speaking of systems, are you ready for number two on the list?
1: I think so. Let's do this.
0: I'm, I'm sitting on the edge of my seat, just, just Me wa- too. waiting. Even though I wrote it, I feel like I'm excited. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Stop it!
0: So, number two, running an automated savings and investment system. So, I am a big fan of financial automation because if you automate it, then you'll never forget. And I, I actually automate way beyond my money. I try to automate as much as I can in my business. Uh, but uh, the big things to automate for. Back when I had my day job uh, predictable income, I had it all set up in percentages um, so things would just kind of happen and flow the way they needed to. I even had a split direct deposit. So every other week on payday, $211 and however many cents that if you multiply it by 26, it's $5,500 a year, automatically went into my Roth IRA. So without even thinking about it, maxed out my Roth IRA every year. Uh, same thing with 401k, I had automatic contributions, and I actually set it up to increase by 1% every year if I didn't touch anything. So I had stuff like that happening to to put money away and save and invest for the future without even thinking about it. Is, is that something you do also, Whitney?
1: Spot on. That's exactly what I do too. And I, yeah, kind of like you, I think I over automate sometimes, but (laughs) it works. I mean, you look at all of your accounts and you see it consistently growing. And I think it's that automation that's key. So most people think, we think we're really good and we think we're really diligent, but at the end of the day, there's always something that's competing for our money. And there's always a trip that sounds better than putting money towards your savings or whatever it might be. So if you have it automated, you really don't even miss it.
0: Yeah. 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 If it's gone before it hits your checking account or instantly as it hits your checking account, that's the ideal because then there's no temptation to spend it if it's if it's already saved. You know, a lot of people call this concept paying yourself first. Do you like that name? Is that is that something you're a fan of?
1: I do. I love it. I think it's it's a really good concept for people too, because it kind of teaches them to put their future before their spending. And I know that sounds a little counterintuitive because you definitely want to pay your bills. But if you don't prioritize yourself, then you can't take care of anything else later. So I I do like that term.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. There's I heard this awesome analogy recently about it. Um with things like, you know, when when you have all these competing demands. Like I have you know, two kids and a wife who's a – I'm lucky to be able to have a stay-at-home uh, mom-wife. Uh, and some people are supporting parents. Some people are supporting uh, multiple vacation homes because they don't know how to budget. They, they missed <laughs> step one. But <laughs> we have all these different competing demands on our money. Um, but you know, one thing that I saw that was interesting was uh, when saying, you know, should you like pay for your kid's college and all these different expenses for them um, that some parents do and some don't? It said the best way to think about – what your decision with how to put your money is when you're on a plane and they say put the oxygen mask on yourself before assisting others because mm-hmm. if you're passed out you can't help anyone else you're not good to anybody um same thing with your money if you have not saved for your own financial stability your own retirement first how can you help anyone else that's a, a cool concept that a nice uh it's not an analogy a simile maybe
1: A simile, yes. A a, a metaphor? Would it be? No. Anyway, it is a metaphor, a comparison.
0: Yeah. Uh, Right? Totally. The
1: the English people are like, these guys.
0: I'm a writer. (laughs) Could you believe that?
1: (laughs) Me too. That's the sad part. We're really smart with money, though.
0: Yeah, and that's really what matters, right? (laughs) So number three, setting goals and creating a plan to reach your goals. I think goal setting is so important with money. I, I think it's important with life in general. I'm I'm a big goal oriented person. I also have the drive for that you know next awesome thing that I'm working on in life. And the same thing is true with money. Whether you're saving for retirement or a down payment for a house, or you're working on crushing some credit card debt, you you have to have that goal. Otherwise, you're just kind of floundering about. What do you? Suggest people do. I know you you do some money coaching, Whitney. Mm -hmm. How do you coach people on goals and choosing goals?
1: Ooh, so I'm going to try not to butcher this quote, but it goes something like we underestimate what we can achieve in one year and overestimate what we can achieve in one month. And I think that's so true, especially with our financial goals. So we always look at our, our month and we think that, you know, for sure in this amount of time, I'm going to just crush all of my goals. And in reality, it takes a little bit of time, especially when it comes to financial goals. It It's tough. It takes a lot of patience for almost everything we're working towards. So the goals that I, I specifically like to set are not any more than 12 months. And I know that sounds kind of weird, but I find that if people are normal, which a lot of us are, we kind of lose focus. So if we're trying to picture what does our life look like five, 10 years from now, that's really hard for us to imagine. Not to mention that five, 10 years from now, you're going to be a totally different person, ideally in your income, your education, your personal development. You're going to be a totally different person. And so to set goals based off of who you are today, I think is really tricky when it comes to some of your financial goals, when it comes to like career, that kind of stuff. Now, if it's like a debt goal, I'm a big, big fan of doing it as quickly as you can, but chunking your debt. So let's say you're looking at like 50 grand of student loans that you've got to pay off. Instead of looking at the fifty grand as a whole, how quickly can you pay off $10,000? Can you do that in one year? And then focusing in on that little piece of that chunk of the goal. And I think that that helps people kind of grasp their head around what they're working towards and actually see progress. And it allows you to to start to think through, what can I do today to get me to that small little goal? And so I think you've got to chunk things. That's kind of a big uh, strategy that I'm a, I'm a big fan of.
0: Yeah, oh, that's super cool. I, I like chunking. Mm-hmm. Me, I want some Chunky Monkey right now.
1: I do too, right? When you said that, I'm like, okay. that sounds like ice ben cream.
0: and Jerry's baby. Exactly. I actually do some longer-term goals than a year, I, I admit. I read The uh, Art of Nonconformity a few years back by Chris Gillibo, one of my favorite books ever. I actually recently reviewed it at personalprofitability.com slash bookshelf. You can find a, a video review or on YouTube at a youtube.com slash Eric Rosenberg is my channel. So make sure to check that video review out of this book. But one of the most important books I've ever read <laughs> in my life and my career path, I think. And um, one concept in there is a life list where you put things you want to do in one year, things you want to do in five years. Mm-hmm. I, or That's the way I put it together and things yeah. I want to do just at some point. So you can put your life list together any way you want. But you know, on my five-year list, I have some things that Every once in a while, I'm like, all right, I'm bumping it up. This is the year. Mm -hmm. But I have to put a time bound on all of those. Um, Otherwise, it's easy to kick things, kick the can down the road. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you're old and didn't do it. So that's what (laughs) what he calls it a life list, though, and not a bucket list, because it's about things we're doing a lot while we're alive, not things to do before we die. It's like bucket list is morbid. I like life.
1: It is kind of morbid. I like that, too. Oh, and I have to say, too, that a lot of times we get so stuck on one specific goal that we forget that you can actually achieve that goal by crossing it off your list and forgetting about it. So there's some goals that I set when I was in high school. I found this list recently when I was decluttering my office. And it was some really great goals, but some that were just totally crappy and goals that I don't really care about at all anymore. And so instead of being so tied to that, that one goal that I wrote when I was, you know, 18 years old, it's giving myself permission to say, that's no longer important. That doesn't serve me. It's not in line with who I am. And I'm just going to take that off the list. But for us type a people, that's really hard to do, but it's okay to sometimes quit a goal. If it's not in your future, never quit your debt goals. But if it's like a career goal or something that's changed, it's okay to forget that about that one. Just cross it off your list.
0: Like I used to want to be a Fortune 500 CEO. And now Nothing. I've realized <laughs> I'll probably be a lot happier not being a Fortune 500 CEO.
1: Yeah. No, it's true.
0: i just the CEO of awesome.
1: The CEO of awesome. I think that's a perfect CEO to be.
0: <laughs> cool. So number four. Now this is one. You know, the first three on this list are kind of lifelong things that you should be doing the next two are more kind of specific time bound goals that you could just finish and be done with so super excited about these are you ready Whitney for number four
1: so ready like
0: a drum roll how do I do a drum roll with with a microphone like I know how to do like a like a clap thing I could I could an audience (laughs) number four paying off your debt for good that's for right.
1: good i love it
0: totally gone and just done with for for good means zero dollars and um <laughs> yeah so so I'll, i'm gonna give a shout out to a friend he's a uh, he's a fellow podcaster podcast enthusiast he actually makes his living as a podcaster uh, steve stewart he has proudly no credit card debt and no mortgage and has not had any loans in so long he doesn't have a credit score
1: Get it, Steve. Steve's a rock star.
0: Yeah. So he doesn't care about having a good credit score because he doesn't have any debt, and that's awesome. Now I'm I'm one of those <laughs> credit, debt. Yeah, and I'm one of those credit card travel hackers, so I'll always have like a revolving debt balance that I pay off in full <laughs> every month. But at this point I am totally debt free outside of my mortgage. You know, I'm gonna have to pay for somewhere to live anyway. It's either gonna be rent or a mortgage. I'm I'm happy it's a mortgage. And we could argue about um, you know, renting versus owning. That's a whole nother story. Sure. Other than a mortgage, try to get everything paid off like now. Tomorrow would Mm -hmm. be great if you can afford it. Obviously, that's not reasonable (laughs) for everybody. But pay it off as quick as you can. And then even the mortgage too. Uh, You don't have to wait till you're 60 to pay off your house. If you can pay it off when you're 40, that means you have all those more years that you can save more for retirement and go on vacations to Italy and whatever else you want to do.
1: Absolutely. We should all go on vacations to Italy.
0: I've never been on a vacation to Italy.
1: Oh my gosh, we need to go.
0: You were just there like a month or two ago, right?
1: Yeah, it feels like forever ago, but I think it was two months ago.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. My wife's been. been to Italy and I'm just, I'm jealous of both of you.
1: But you have been to Europe to be fair.
0: Yes, I've been to Europe. My map over my shoulder has pins on all the places I've been and none are in Italy. (laughs)
1: Uh, not yet
0: not yet (laughs) i like that all right last one number five hitting the mark on retirement there's a lot of different ways you could look at this goal so again you are like like all personal finance it's personal um Mm -hmm. so you should apply it to your to your own money and your own life however makes sense but the way i look at this is there's a certain number that you need to retire like right now, any day, like your FU money or your I quit fund, whatever you'd want to call that. Yeah. Uh, but then there's another number that's like, oh, let's call it a realistic retirement date and number. And for some people that could be at 40, for some people that could be at 75. Uh, there's there's no right or wrong. It's just what you can work out and what makes sense for you and, and your goals in your life. But you need to figure out what that number is and and what age that number works at. So do the math, figure out what your rough cost of living will be in retirement, and then you know back up and, and multiply it by however many years <laughs> you, you need to have the money saved, and, and there's your goal. Uh, yep. you know, there's I mean, That's making it very simple. You know, we can add an interest and in, you know, investments and investment risk and all these other inflation things.
1: Inflation and all that stuff. Yeah. Inflation,
0: yeah. So we can make it really complicated, but let's make it simple because if it's really complicated, you'll probably ignore it because that's what most of us do. <laughs> as humans with complicated things we ignore them and we just do simple things so make it simple so let's say you want to live on thirty thousand dollars a year in retirement and you plan to live 20 years in retirement just multiply those numbers together and that's what you should try to save if you want to do just the simple version of it i like it so what what are your retirement strategies what are you doing today whitney to try to hit your retirement goals
1: Yeah. So it's, it's pretty simple right now because I've got my Roth IRA. I'm 29, not quite 30 (laughs) yet. And so I'm contributing mostly to my Roth IRA, maxing that out every single year, but the way my uh, asset class is split. So I'm 90% into stocks, which for me is index funds and 10% into bonds. So it's a 90, 10 split. But definitely using index funds as my primary method. So I'm a big fan of those because of the low cost. So we're talking about optimizing optimizing the fees that you pay, also super important. So keeping an eye on how much of those fees are actually going towards uh, the, the active portfolio, the managers, the, the back end, the load fees, all of that stuff. It can get really complicated. But if you minimize your fees and you're actually in a low cost index fund, I find that to be the best strategy. And I've received really, really great returns so far. So I'm a big fan, um, Vanguard, huge, yeah. huge fan of Vanguard. Yeah. And if you can't afford Vanguard yet, then Betterment is another one that I'm a big fan of too.
0: Yeah. Those are both great. I was just looking at my uh, my new little retirement account I've set up. I'm actually doing two different retirement things now. I used to be Sweet. doing 401k and Roth IRA. Mm-hmm. 401k is gone with that whole self-employment thing. Um, still maxing out the Roth every year for my wife and myself. We, we both have one. Um, and also I recently opened up an S E P IRA with a company that got bought by acorns. So now I have what's called acorns later and it automatically saves. I have it set up at $20 a week right now. Um, Oh, cool. So I I needed to get, I felt like I was doing something wrong, not saving for retirement for a little bit, even though I was in that little transition period from full-time employment to self-employment. So I, I gave myself a little pass, but then I was like, well, it's been a, a year or so, I need to start saving again. So I started at, I think it was five bucks a week and then 10, and now I'm at 20. And I'm, I'm going to keep ratcheting it up as I feel like that makes mm-hmm. sense for my family.
1: I think that's smart. And were you initially doing that through Acorns?
0: Um, it was an app that was called um, Vault, I think. I don't but, think I know that one. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter because they don't exist anymore.
1: Oh, there you have it.
0: <laughs> now, it's Ac- now it's just Acorns later. So if you know the Acorns app, it's an automated investing app um, for just regular old investing, taxable investing that you can withdraw anytime. The yep. Acorns later features are more focused on automated investing for IRAs. So that's, that's how I got the SEP set up there. It um, stands for Simplified Employee Pension. So, yep. Yeah, good times, good times. That's so anyway, amazing. Those are our five things. That's this is our first episode. We did it. We made it to the end. We survived.
1: Yay! Thank you. This was so cool. I hope everybody learned a lot. I know it's always a good reminder and a good reiterator. So if you're thinking I'm above this, go back to the basics cuz that's where we all mess up.
0: Heck, yeah, back to basics. And that's like in my boy scout days, that was always a big thing out camping like let's get back to basics. That's you know like we said, yeah. don't don't make it confusing, don't make it complicated focus on the core important things and build out from there. And whether we've been managing our money on our own for a year or a hundred years, we can always you know get back to basics and, and fix stuff up. There's always opportunities.
1: Preach it, my friend.
0: Cool. Well, everyone, if you did not like having Whitney here, that's a bummer. I disagree <laughs> with you because I thought it was awesome. And she's going to be back for three more episodes. We're going to be here together. As I said, for a month, Um, Under this new format. So super excited to have you back next week, Whitney. Um, But right now, can you just take a quick moment, let everyone know um, what you have been working on lately and where they should go find that stuff and connect with you online?
1: Yeah, I'm super excited. So I have been hanging out mostly on my podcast called the money nerds. So I interview really cool people like Eric, who has been a previous guest and get to hear their stories about how they paid off debt or save for financial independence so they could retire early, all kinds of really interesting stuff. So I'm hanging out there and then I just hopped on the IGTV bandwagon. So you guys can find me on there where I'm going to be doing a little bit more educational stuff on money, like 15 minutes or less.
0: See, I just started with YouTube like six weeks ago, and all of a sudden there's like a whole new online TV (laughs) thing. That's how it goes. You can never (laughs) win online, right? No, No, you can't. (laughs) But if if you didn't catch that link earlier, please do check out my YouTube channel. I've been working really hard on some awesome videos. Every Friday now I'm coming out with a two-minute money video, and they're super fun, and my daughter is in the next one, or maybe the last one, and she's super cute. So you should all go watch it. And I actually ask you at the very end if you want to see more of her in the comments. So make sure to go find that video, youtube.com slash Eric Rosenberg. Check out the little clip with my daughter and let me know if you want to see more of her on my YouTube channel. I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you, Profiteers, for sticking around. Thank you, Whitney. And we will talk to you next time. Until then, stay profitable.